Hi, welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. This is Ben. Mike is out on paternity leave still, so I brought in a few of my favorite guests. One in studio with me. I work with them. I see them all the time. That's Seth Rosenthal. He's an SB Nation, all things video guy. All things. What do you, what do you, what would you call yourself at this point? What do you do? Uh, I'm a video producer. Video and producer. And also, while Mike's out on paternity leave, I'm his son. I'm here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You're doing the, the beef extraordinaire. He's a beef extraordinaire. Is is what he, yeah, <laughs> the, the title? The, the beef boy. That's good. The beef boy. Uh, you probably heard some other lovely tones there. That's Anthony Irwin calling us from Los Angeles, and Mo Docula is joining us as well. You guys have probably heard both of them on this podcast before. Anthony, give me your the two-second elevator on, on what you're writing on right now and, and what you're working on, and then Mo, follow script, please. Well, the big thing is that Magic is apparently working as <laughs> Phil Jackson did with the Knicks. Okay. So, <laughs> so that they? has my mentions. <laughs> my, no, literally, he's, he's just, he's, he went on vacation to Hawaii like, mid-season when the Lakers had a nine-game losing streak, so... I I aggregated a little bit of reporting that Levitar did, and, and now my mentions are a disaster. Just <laughs> everybody's angry at me. Well done. <laughs> Anthony's very good at being an online antagonist, and he also plays in Prada's Pun World, so keep a lookout for that. Anthony will be kind of giving us the Lakers side of the Los Angeles coin because this is going to be a macro Los Angeles basketball conversation, and then Mo will hopefully fill in the larger side of the, the Clippers uh, part of this conversation, the more topical team, the one who's kind of the pivot point here. Mo used to be a video coordinator for the Clippers. Is that correct? Yep. I was a video coordinator for the Clippers on two different stints. Cool. Uh, and yeah, so and I was there when when we got Blake and uh, <laughs> I was there when we got CP. Cool. So let, let's start right there. And, you, and, you know, listeners here, you've probably heard Mo on here multiple times, Seth before, Anthony once or twice when we've done Lakers previews um, back in the day here. But I think the best place to start is right there, man. When 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 Blake came to town, when when that pick was made, and obviously he was a red shirt uh, rookie as well, which is, you know, topical these days with the Sixers making that move more than once. But what was it like being a part of the Clippers organization when it turned, when it went from this kind of outcast second team in the city to Blake and, and kind of the excitement um, and the basketball you know, excellence that came with Blake's uh, tenure? Yeah, so, you know, there was a lot of excitement when we got the number one pick. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that year we immediately knew it was going to be Blake Griffin. Um, a funny side story is I was doing a lot of draft prep up until the, the lottery was announced. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the next day, uh, Neil O'Shea just walked in and said, you could take a vacation till June. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we, we know who we're taking. Sure. Um, and stuff. So there was a ton of excitement already generated. Like the Clippers are f- going to get another star. We had just lost Elton Brand, who, you know, was, was kind of our face of our franchise sure. until he left to go to Philly. We brought in Baron Davis, but didn't have a good year. Uh, and, and everybody was really excited for that. Of course, Blake gets hurt in preseason um, and misses the whole year, like you said, redshirt, uh, you know, a, a redshirt rookie the next year and just blows everybody away when he does start playing, right? Yeah. Like dunking on everybody, the the dunk contest in L.A. with Baron Davis throwing a lob out of the sunroof of a <laughs> Kia, you know, right, right yeah. to Blake dunking over the car. Like everybody's going nuts. And – you know, the Clippers still aren't good. They weren't like a playoff team. Um, but you could you felt the excitement yeah. and the energy of the team like this is they're coming. Like sure. this is one of those things, you know. Uh I, I'm not sure they got a meeting with LeBron in free you know, that first time around before he signed with Miami. 
you know, in free agency because there was an excitement there. Sure. And, and and the idea like the fact that the Clippers got a meeting with LeBron should just say how <laughs> that's how big of an impact Blake had, <laughs> especially at the um, time, too. You know, this is this is not the the Clippers the way we think and feel about the organization right now, owned by Balmer and, uh, you know, having been a playoff team for a number of years. This is <laughs> this is the older Clippers organization. This is this is Donald Sterling's team. This is this is the Sterling era. Yes. Um, and, you know, so obviously they, they don't sign LeBron, but yes. the the excitement is there in L.A., you know, and like, you know, especially like the younger kids, like sure. the, the younger crowd is the one that really kind of jumped and to the idea of Blake. Yeah. And transplants. Now, I, tell me if I'm wrong here. I like you tell me this, too. But like every transplant I know in L.A., because you don't want to be a Lakers fan if you're not from Los Angeles. It was like, yeah, the Clippers, they were like this innocuous little brother that you could just like cling to and say you're rooting for a hometown team. And, you know, there's Nets fans like that here. I I promise. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Anthony, do you agree with that or? I don't know if I'd go every transplant. I don't know (laughs) if I'd go quite that far. Cause like, I I agree with everything that Mo was saying that there was a ton of excitement. Lob city really did kind of catch the city by storm. Mm -hmm. And yet I don't think they ever outrated the Lakers. Like I don't the, over the course of over the course of a season, I don't think they they ever had more eyes on the television than the, than the Lakers did, and yeah. I think the Lakers still either outdrew them or their tickets were selling on average at a at a higher rate, right? So like, it, I think I think everything that Mo said is is true, but I also think the Lakers had such a an insane grip on the city. Yeah. That it was impossible to overcome, and, and done everything I they always, can to relinquish that grip. Like we should, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it. yeah, it's it's <laughs> insane. I mean, the, the the best Clippers era coincided with, or or the beginning of the worst Lakers era, mm-hmm. and and yet, yeah, I mean, that they've the Lakers have done everything that they possibly could to annoy the fan base and and have them want to go be fans of other teams. But people just can't quite do that, and and I was I always thought it was kind of unfair to have the Clippers be compared to the Lakers. It was going to happen naturally, but it was never yeah. it was never realistic. I thought, look, guys, just just make your own way here. The, when Doc went and covered up the the Lakers banners, I thought it was I thought it was a move that like I understood kind of where he was coming from on it. But I also said, well, that's just going to draw more attention to the fact that you aren't the Lakers. And right. uh, it, it's going to be interesting if they do retire or when they do retire Blake's jersey. Are they just going to retire one huge one to, to cover up all of the Lakers ones? Like, um, I, um, it, it's going to it's going to be kind of interesting to, to see how that all plays out. But but, yeah, I don't I don't know if I would necessarily roll with the theory that that it was ever really a threat to the Lakers' hold on the city. Interesting. It is interesting and, and to one, me. It's something no, I never ahead, thought so. about before, no. that <laughs> if you're under a certain age, like call it 15 or so, yeah. the Clippers yeah. have always been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And you don't mm-hmm. have, you know, I I think when we were kids, it was like Pooh Richardson. Yeah, it was. And Loy Vaught, right. and those teams were always <laughs> trash, and so it was... <laughs> sort of an unlearning of those instincts of the Clippers being a punchline. And there are kids for whom that's not, not even kids they are probably young adults for whom that's not at all true. The Clippers have always been cool and interesting and like pretty decent. The commercial athletes, the ones that you see with the Kia ads. The Clippers aren't funny. Yeah. They were, they were a fun, 
well, like a, a well-developed team. Like you knew the personalities of these guys, or you just you thought you did from a commercial standpoint, and and that speaks to some of the visibility and, and notoriety and prominence in your city sportscape. And look. One of the reasons that I wanted to have you guys on here specifically, Seth actually just got done working on uh, one of the current members of the Clippers, someone who's not been traded yet. That's I'm, I'm watching Twitter. He has not been traded Lou Williams yet. has not been traded yet, <laughs> uh, but he might be <laughs> we're, soon. We're all watching Twitter. Yeah, right? I mean, it's going to be a crazy, especially with the trade deadline being bumped up. Was it two weeks this year? So now it's before the All-Star game. Last year it was yeah. simply President's Day weekend. Um, you're just going to see more of a blitz. But I guess let's take a, a small step back. We, we should talk about the nuts and bolts of the trade for a moment. Um, look, the Pistons side of this is relatively clear. They got the best player in the trade. Uh, they're banking on a future of health for Blake Griffin because he's under contract. And in 2021, he's making $39 million a year. And they'll be paying upwards of $70 million, uh, for their front court. Uh, which is a, a lot of money <laughs> for uh, yes. Andre Drummond and, and Blake Griffin. Assuming they're both healthy, it's it's a lot of money. Um, or in Blake's case, I, Drummond's health not being as much of a question mark. Um, but the Clippers are the team here that can go in so many directions. And, Mo, I'd love to get your thoughts first here. But, like, look, it might not be the exact closing of a window, but they just pushed off the future of the Clippers down the road. Um what do you think happens right now? Uh, give us let's do like five minutes on this topic, and then I want to get back to the macro. But what happens now to the Lou Williamses of the world, to DeAndre Jordan, to the future of of uh, Doc uh, on the team, and then and then in general, like what what is the impetus for this cap space? Where do they think the direction of the franchise uh, is moving? Well, I think the the starting point is they need to start getting younger assets, mm-hmm. and you know. Every time the Clippers made a trade during the the Doc front office era, it was always accompanied with a first round pick. I almost I would joke and go like, he, he would just offer it sometimes. I would feel like teams wouldn't even ask for it. He'd just like and eh, take the first round pick, and they're like, what really? Okay, yeah, sure. If you say so, you know. Yeah. And you know, he he used the first round pick to get rid of Dudley. He used the first round pick to get Jeff Green, and we saw how well that worked out. Um, and and. and their their cupboard is bare. I mean, the the Celtics own a lottery protected pick from the Clippers from 2019 and 2020. It's lottery protected, um, and then it turns into a second round pick in 2021. So I mean, that's just kind of the example of like mm-hmm. they just don't have picks, you know. And and I think that's a big part of the trade that they get from Blake Griffin. I think that's going to be a big part of any DJ trade. I think or any Lou Williams trade yeah. that they make. I, I DJ's been on the market for what feels like since the season started sure sure um so you know i i i'm i'm sure they're hoping they can get some a couple of first round picks from those you know for dj and for lou williams yeah and maybe even avery bradley who know i mean i don't know if it, if this is the final spot for bradley i think it is but i wouldn't also be shocked at all if they end up moving bradley as well for for a pick because now it's just like let's just load up and and for them the thing about getting blake griffin's contract off of them they they, they, they can be players, may not necessarily be players in this free agency, mm-hmm. but 2019, they're, they're going to have, you know, some cap space. If they can find a way to ever get rid of the Gallinari contract. Um, <laughs> he's the constant questionable a- player. He, he, he's been questionable with a glute for, I believe, three weeks now. And he probably just wakes yeah. up each morning. Rails a half a pack of cigarettes. Oh, this is where me being a Knicks fan kind of helps. This <laughs> all dates back to a summer league injury when he tried to do a, a sham god move against Robert Trailer. Is that true? Peace. Yes. Oh my god. All of it. That was <laughs> oh the start god. of everything. Robert Trailer. Is that a rest I in hope, peace? I, yeah. I hope that's your next oh, video. Seth. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, 2019 free agents, you know, you have Clay Thompson, you have Jimmy Butler, um, maybe Kawhi, depending mm-hmm. on if he signs the, the Supermax. KP's restricted, Towns is restricted, Kemba's available. Like, there's sure. interesting names in 2019. Let me ask a question As for the big... real, real quick. Sorry, Mo. Just, I want to get back to the big thing. Sorry to cut you off, but just because it's before you get to the bigger picture here, but this season feels like it's happened in three waves, right? The Clippers started off really poorly. Well, I should say the first wave was re-signing Blake this past offseason. They right. gave him the max deal. Mm-hmm. This wasn't like last year and they're second-guessing. This is all within the same, which should be a cohesive line of thought, for the organization's, you know, one, two, three years down the road uh, trajectory that when they signed Blake, they, you know, they did the whole Clipper for life thing, right? So that's step one. Step two is then getting off to a terrible start. Uh, step three would be then playing really, really good basketball, but in a much different way, one that would maybe lead you to believe that we should be offloading and trying to get assets because it's not sustainable. They've now been in a place where, look, Lou Williams is playing. Part of the reason why Seth has been doing some work on him, he's been playing incredible basketball this season, yeah, better than he ever has. And, and Lou has an, always been an offensively gifted player. And he's got a unique offensive skill set. Um, but it would feel like Doc started coaching up a team who had lower expectations. And then the third wave or the, the final wave is right now, which is bringing on Bradley and Tobias Harris, you know, <laughs> trading Blake Griffin and changing the entire trajectory of the, of the franchise. So now to get to the macro here, why have we been through these three phases in such a short period of time? Uh, and sort of where does it go from here? Well, I think you you couldn't let Blake walk for any, for nothing. Yes. You know, especially after they lost CP, you know, it's hard. Cause part of me felt like when they signed him, I'm like, okay, he's, I never felt like he was going to finish the contract as a Clipper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, you know, and, and then of course we hear all the stories of Clipper for life and they, have a shirt with him and Nelson Mandela and, and all these other, you know, iconic figures of, of, of human history and then Blake. And then it's just kind of like, okay, they really yeah. sold him on this is your home uh, thing. So I, I kind of always felt like at some point he was going to be moved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think it happened this early in the contract, but that's something, you know, there. I just think in the bigger picture, it's, it's, they're just hitting the reset. Like, look, We've been down this road before. We're not good enough, you know, and we don't have a lot of avenues to get better, you know. So we got to start thinking like we need a reset. We need a the game has changed and and it's time for them to kind of start jumping into that. And and Doc's done a great job this year coaching the team. Uh, The fact that they were still in the playoffs with Blake missing, I think, like 16 games, you know, Lou Williams was playing out of his mind right sure. now um and and all that so Hello. it's an interesting situation for them like i kind of feel like they're they're kind of punting on the playoffs sure but but hoping that it's going to be this is just going to hurt a little bit because we're going to get a lot better in the in the longer run huh. um and i think it's an interesting it's hedge. Just, that's for sure it, it's definitely a hedge for sure <laughs> and you know harris I, isn't bad harris is having a good year yeah yeah he is Was you know I was going to say, I, the the dynamics brought about by the Supermax contract are are really interesting to yeah. me. It's one of the yeah. things that I'm considering writing is is it's having the opposite of its desired effect because mm-hmm. it came about at a time where it, it it coincided with this move towards tanking. So if you if you aren't going to be a title contender, why have a superstar on taking up that much of your cap? 
And so what it's led to is the Kings trade Boogie away before they have to sign him to that deal. Uh, the, the Indiana does the same, though that had something to do with him wanting to be a Laker reportedly. And then now the Clippers sign Blake to the to the big Supermax contract and they trade him away five months later. Yeah. It's it, I I'm, I'm it's hard for me to I, I don't want to be too hyperbolic here, but this this idea I if you're going to have a supermax contract I would just get rid of maxes all all together because all it's going to do is all these superstars think they deserve a supermax but not all of them deserve it and and it's leading to a really awkward conversation uh between the superstar and the team and then the team itself and saying all right we really like Blake he, we want him to be a clipper lifer but it makes no sense for him to be paid the way that he was going to be for a team that was, as they figured out, not really going anywhere. I, it's it's yeah. a really interesting dynamic. I wonder to what degree the Warriors, partially by luck and partially by really good drafting and then additionally by adding Kevin Durant, have just ruined everyone's brains. And everyone's saying, <laughs> well, you know, having DeMarcus Cousins well into his 30s or Blake Griffin well into his 30s and just adding and adding and adding and trying to get better, that – Traditionally, it would just be a normal and fine way to do things, but now it's like you have to get everyone at the same age all at once, and you just got to nail it right yeah. in a way that is so tough. I mean, yeah. the six, Sixers fans know as well as anyone yeah. is really hell to replicate. Definitely. I mean, look, this is there's going to be the same way that we look back. Um, you can do this in any sport. More or less football and basketball come to mind, but like, there's a, a whole list of great NFL players that will have never won Super Bowls because they couldn't get over the Patriots hurdle, right, the Tom Brady hurdle. Uh, there's an entire list of NBA greats, like literally one-fifth of the top 50 players of all time when that list was put out didn't win titles because of Michael Jordan. There's going to be a whole other era that's going to be defined in terms of how teams worked financial uh, uh, cap maneuvering as well as um, – you know, how team successes are going to be measured against the Warriors. They're the next hurdle here that the teams have been modifying their rosters for. Like, this Clippers team is the best example. They would have played, likely, have played in an NBA final if it weren't for this, or potentially, I should say, but they would have had a good shot at playing for an NBA championship if it wasn't for these Warriors. Um, they would have been in a different mindset with how they were negotiating their team, too, if it wasn't for these Warriors. The other, like, really, really important part of this is that Blake is someone who you can physically see aging out of one skill set and maturing into another. Which one of those skill sets equals a max contract is another discussion. When I watch Blake now put up a layup that used to be a tomahawk dunk, I think to myself, I don't want to give him as much money. Because that, that says two things to me. It's not the dunk or the layup. It's that that means on the other end, that's rim protection, that's rebounding, that's quick step to go out and cover a high pick and roll at the three-point line and then get back on your guy. All the little things that go into that quick, fast-twitch explosiveness, which was a hallmark of his game, that are slowly leaking out. I mean, someone, I think it was Zach Lowe in his piece, he wrote about the flukiness of the injuries, but yet they still add up. Yeah. You know, you can randomly break your hand, punch in one of your <laughs> equipment managers, but that's still a broken <laughs> bone in your body. Like, there's still, uh, um, you know, the, the, the structural aspects of, of the injury. Um, I guess what I keep coming back to here, guys, is like I don't think this moves the needle for the Pistons. I'm going to be 100 percent here. I think the Pistons were a team who were a at best seven, six, seven, eight seed in the East. That's probably what they still are. They may have been a team to challenge for a first round playoff series against if they had moved up maybe into 
the Raptors or Cleveland not playing well win a few games but never thought they were going to win a series. I still think that's where they're at. And and that's sort of where I want to get to the larger picture here, guys, which is like the, put, set the Pistons aside. This Clippers team likely will not be making the playoffs this year, although they've been making a run for that eight seed. And the Lakers are horrible still. Now they're playing a little bit better over the last uh, month now, the last like two, three weeks, uh, after their own issues, both internally and externally. But does this immediately flip the script? Like with Blake gone, with the figurehead of the Clippers organization being DeAndre, who's not Chris Paul and he's, he's not Blake Griffin. Are we automatically, despite the and wins he's probably and not going to be a, a Clipper. <laughs> he's probably not going to be a Clipper. For, <laughs> also that's that. a great point. I mean, who knows who's going to be left on this team in two weeks. But, like, how did the Lakers jump right back into this void, Anthony? And, like, I guess the bigger question, too, is did that void ever really stop? And apparently you would say, no, it's always just continue to be the Lakers, just with a little more chirping from the Clippers. Yeah, I, I like I said earlier in the show, I think it was always a, a Laker town. And it was funny – Ramona Shelburne, there's a soundbite where she said that the Lakers brand can't withstand tanking for a, a prolonged period of time. And then that was right when everybody started going to Summer League. And <laughs> you're sitting there and, and UNLV has rarely sold out its arena for its own stuff. And and there you have just thousands and thousands of Laker fans right. watching and, and then yelling at D'Angelo Russell and, and yelling <laughs> At Brandon Ingram and, and all those guys, but but that's what it turned into. The Lakers brand. I mean, it's it's. <clears throat> I was thinking about this before we came on the show, and and the way I would put it is, for all of the crap that Lakers that the Lakers, I think rightfully get for giving Kobe the forty eight million dollar contract and not trading him and and letting him go on that stupid farewell tour. <laughs> It, it does it does still mean that they live up to their word that he is a Kobe lifer, right? Sure. That that the Kobe Abbeys out there never have to see him in another in another right. uniform. And and you look that and and you directly compare it to the Clippers. And they don't have a retired jersey. It's insane that 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 an organization can exist for as long as they have and they don't have one. And it's it's because frankly they they in my opinion, moved too quickly off of their stars. Elton Brand was gone before, and and, and then uh, Chris Paul is gone, and then now Blake Griffin is gone, and then now DeAndre Jordan is going to be gone. Somehow DeAndre Jordan, who I, I think he's had a great career, but he's the the longest tenured Clipper in the history of the organization. That that's Holy insane to me. Holy wow. cow! And yeah, and Sorry. and and that. And it's it's crazy and, and and like yes I would I would I'm I'm a Laker fan and I'll and I'll cop to to being that but a, a large reason why Laker fans feel as close to, as they do to the history of the organization is because it has history the Clippers just don't and so that is a nice thing that the Lakers can kind of always go back to um, they can always have their Jerry Buss uh, commemorative nights they can always have their <laughs> Right. They can always have. They can always look back and they can say, "Hey, look, we did give you this. We do. We, you do have this history at least to look back on." When Contavious uh, Caldwell Pope is taking a contested pull-up jumper <laughs> in transition with an ankle bracelet on. This, I mean, I think this is also a little bit of warrior syndrome. But there seems to me a like a pathological fear of winning fifty games. Yeah. 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 We've talked about this is like I think this podcast started because I had this whole 
aggressive theory on the middle of the NBA being the worst place in all of professional sports. That you'd and be now bet- it's swung all the way that way where, like— Yeah, you, there is no middle to be had. Yeah, You're either no one, wants one of the three best teams in the league, and you've got a chance to win the title. This year, I'd say there are probably—realistically, I don't think anyone but the Warriors is going to win the championship with injuries yeah. do not occur. Now, if something were to happen, the Celtics are a tough team. Maybe LeBron gets Cleveland back together, and maybe Houston has a chance, or maybe Oklahoma City has a chance to knock off someone within that. But like even oh, there, oh, Raptors come after you. Raptors sure. fans are coming after you yeah, now. They know where to find me. Um, <laughs> no, and I and I do like the Raptors. Not Raptors the third round. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can they can come see me at the Eastern Conference Finals, and they can come watch with me in the stands. Um, no, with that that in mind, um, and I'm just kidding. Actually, I do like this Raptors team. Um, I don't think they're going to compete. But even if we add them, that's what six of the thirty teams who could make right. an argument to be a part of the uh, championship discussion the rest are no better than being the last and and that's the truth is you know the reason why teams get blown up why player movement is so quick like this someone i forget who tweeted this i'd like to give him credit but the idea that if last year this time you knew that butler and george um and blake griffin and chris paul were all going to be on different teams in another era, in the early 90s, in the mid-80s, 70s, you just would never see five of the NBA's 15 best players being moved, um, you know, let alone from middling teams to – I mean, you could say whatever you want about what, what Indiana and what Chicago did with the trades. I think it, it's – in retrospect, they both look like pretty good deals. Um, but the idea is like teams were positioning themselves. Oklahoma City thinks they have a chance to win. That's why they made the trade. Minnesota thinks that their window is about to be opening with their young players. They needed that cornerstone, potentially the, the guy uh, in Butler. That's why they made the trade. The Pistons making this trade, uh, to, it brings them even more directly to the middle, if, if that's even possible, because they were already pretty close to the middle. Um, they're basically running back a lesser version of what the Clippers had. Uh, you know, Drummond and, and DeAndre Jordan, you can splice that as much as you want. They're relatively similar. They each have various pluses and minuses. But, like, there's no Chris Paul. Reggie Jackson's barely the Reggie Jackson he was two years ago, uh, even if that was a high threshold. So I guess what I'm getting at is, like, this middling of the NBA, that is something the Warriors have even thrown into an even more aggressive uh, spin cycle because there's just teams who have to say to themselves honestly each year and within each season what are we doing and what are we competing for um, next year guys I believe that middle of the NBA is going to get even more competitive to be in the middle because of the draft lottery reform it'll be even more important to be the seventh worst team uh, than it is to be like the 12th worst team uh-huh. um, so you see even uh-huh. more aggressive but yeah being a 50 win team gets you almost nothing I mean ask the Mavs what getting 50 wins every season does they had their one 2007 title they had 50 wins for, what, 12 straight seasons? Um, so, yep. you know, th- there's, there's something to be said for winning and building a fan base and starting the upper climb to, to your success. But if that success is capped at 50 or around 50 wins, if being a playoff team is what you want, if you're 29th in overall capacity of attendance like Detroit is and you're in a new arena in downtown Detroit, you might need to fill some seats. Um, there's different levers being pulled for different trades there's also there's the actual players the people involved i mean i say this you know from the underside looking up as a knicks fan (laughs) the reports today are that Kristaps porzingis is not totally thrilled with the idea of the knicks trading all their veterans and tanking away the rest of the year and getting him luka Doncic. as wonderful as that sounds to me and that makes sense players hate that that sucks that's their work day for, I mean, you know, for someone in the position. Totally. A Sixers veteran, hypothetically, that was there that whole time, mm-hmm. which didn't happen, but would have <laughs> had to lose for three years. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. the least fun for a player. And 
has the potential to affect how agents relate to you. Sure. Has the potential to affect, you know, the guys that you did luck into already, keeping yeah. them around. Uh, all that, you know, Chris Stapps didn't want to go to the Sixers, just to, to use another Chris Stapps example. Like, um, that's a difficult balance to strike mm -hmm. because it's never okay, really, to ask players to be part of that machine. Agreed. Well, everyone plays to, you play to win the game, as Herman right. Edwards once said. And being asked to lose or knowing that you're going into a situation where you're not going to win very much, it's got to be daunting. Um, got a question for you. I'm sorry. I want to jump in on your point, though, yeah, yeah, Ben. Because, like, if we don't measure the Clippers against the Lakers, they're them having that run of 50 wins, yeah. you know, a couple of seasons in a row was big for the organization. Totally. Now, it sucks because we're comparing that to, well, the Lakers. And Anthony's right. Like, the, there's never once did they outdraw the Lakers or anything. We always knew the Lakers were the were the top dog. Even if we won a championship, that's one compared to the 16 sure. or 17 that they have. Um, you know, and we, we, we just knew that. But for the organization in itself and the NBA in general, like when we became relevant, it mattered. You know, and, and, and I think that's kind of what the Pistons are chasing and what some of these middle middling teams are chasing because they yeah. know nobody's winning a championship anytime soon. Yeah. You know, like it's, 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 it's the Warriors until they break up or somebody knocks them off. And if you're a team that's just trying to get to the playoffs, you're not going to be that team that knocks them off. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's, there's an importance in terms of just progressing in the right way and making the right movements forward. I mean, Houston never really bottomed out that badly. Right. And then they, they got lucky, made the right moves and, and, and Harden turned out to be the star they, they thought for, yeah. you know, thought he was going to be. And they're rolling now. I think it's just a matter of, you know, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying and you're definitely right in the sense of like winning 50 games is kind of no man's land, sure. but it just depends on what the organization's goals are. Like for us, it was huge, you know, with, with the Clippers, like we meant something we were, on the road, you would see Clipper jerseys and stuff. And we, we would have fans and like, you know, we would go into Oklahoma and there'd be more people wearing Blake Clipper jerseys. Sure. We're in New Orleans and people wearing CP stuff and, and DJ stuff in Atlanta and stuff like yeah. that matter yeah, yeah. For, for, for the organization and helped kind of build the prestige of like, hey, we're, we're, we're somebody. Now, of course, totally. they're going to tank and it's going to go back to, 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 to garbage. But, you know, it, it mattered for us. Yeah, no, and, and that's a great point. Like, I am so uh, overly protective of of that middling concept because the Sixers did go for the, you know, the the entirety of the process is predicated upon getting as bad as possible and, and accruing as many assets to then be at the opposite end of that, which is as good as possible. The Sixers might find themselves a 50-win team with no chance of winning the championship. Like That's the most likely outcome because teams just very rarely win NBA championships. You can go decade by decade. There's usually one to two teams, two or three teams that, that win the title in a 10-year span. That's just the way it is. That's and the they were lucky. They and, were extremely yeah. lucky. And if you go exactly, if you go in the '80s, it's it's three teams, four if you get to the end when it's Detroit, but it's it's Sixers, Lakers, Celtics. Sixers had one. Celtics and Lakers had most of them. Uh, the '90s, it's Bulls, and then you have Houston and the uh, Spurs sprinkle in, and then at the end of it, the Lakers get in. But the idea is like your windows are longer, and therefore the windows of not being a championship contender are even longer for most of the league. Um, the, I guess. The big question that, that comes here is, like, if you're an NBA team, it is impossible to, to function on the operating basis that if the Warriors exist, therefore we shouldn't 
try to win. So, yeah. you know, I don't want to make that like the blanket statement for every team. So to, to your point, Mo, like it is important. It was important for the Clippers to get out of Donald Sterling's, um, you, you know, shadow to, to create their newest, uh, the new identity of success that they have uh, with the team that they put together, which was fun and, and um, open to the public. And people felt like they knew the personalities of these guys. And, and there was something about that. Um, I want to ask. And, and if I, if I could really quickly, yeah, like just, just as like a capper, I guess. Sure. But, it's important to reach that 50 win mark with your with your young core because that's what convinces superstars to come to that organization. Great point. Right. Like that's what the, the Lakers right now are learning or have learned over the last five years that just cap space isn't working to, to, to sign people. And and what you need is what you need is somebody to come along and lift your team to a certain level. And then from there, a superstar will say, "Okay, yeah, I'm not the I'm not the first piece of a rebuilding process. That makes more sense. That maybe my window can coincide with this team's window, and you go that route." Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. You need to make yourself appealing. Yeah, you have to draft the first guy or two. Yeah, you don't yeah. start yeah. signing the guys until the end. That's that right. Makes that's right. And so, so I want to ask the, the follow up here, the logical follow up, because we you talked about Blake and uh, and DeAndre being the longest tenured Clipper. We have a, a couple questions here that I, that I liked that I highlighted and TM morning, um, asked us pretty simply. I mean, and I think the answer is clearly yes, but is Blake the greatest player in Clippers history? And Anthony, you can go first here. And then, and then Mo, I'd love your opinion as well as you were there for the Genesis of Blake's tenure. I thought we already talked about Pooh Richardson. <laughs> <greatest player. laughs> Save your Pooh answers. Save your, um, Dar- Darius Miles doesn't get a shot uh, in here. Hey, there's, these are all on the table. Uh, Tim Warren says, I think so, because without him, there is no CP3 to begin with, but I wanted to know everyone's opinions. So, so Anthony, uh, uh, you can give us your actual, or you can give us a sarcastic, whichever one you'd prefer to put uh, on the table here. But if feels like Blake is obviously the best player in Clippers history, right? Uh, well, I would say he was the most impactful. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if he's the best. I think Chris Paul at his peak was better than Blake Griffin was at his peak. It's fair. Uh, but but there is no Chris Paul if there if there is no Blake Griffin, right? Yeah. And correct. and and I don't think I don't even think DeAndre Jordan comes along the way that he did if there is no if there is no Blake Griffin. DeAndre Jordan's job was like really nice and easy where he would go in those double pick and roll kind of situations. And okay, your job is just to run at the rim and jump as high as you possibly can, you know? And so I I would say that uh, I, I don't know if I can talk about greatness when there isn't any actual playoff success with Griffin, but he is definitely the the most impactful. If there's a Clipper who should get a statue, it's Blake Griffin because That that it, it just he 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 meant that much to that organization and and that's why it was such a bummer to see him traded the way that he was like yep. that that was one of the things that I saw kind of reverberate around everybody covering the, the the NBA and reacting to this trade was that there was this sentiment that Blake got done kind of dirty now it's hard to really say that somebody getting paid almost two hundred million dollars <laughs> to play basketball <laughs> is getting done dirty um, but. but but I, I think there's a case to be made there that they sold this guy on Clipper Lifer and 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 he loves by every account, absolutely adores being in Los Angeles. And now he's in Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. God. You know, but yeah, to, <laughs> to answer to answer the actual question, I think I think the most impactful Clipper is is Blake. The best Clipper, I think, at his peak was CP3. Okay. I, I buy that. Mo, what do you think? Um I mean, Anthony said it. Yep. Uh, the funny thing about it is, like, if you look at Clipper history, anybody ever heard of Randy Smith? <laughs> no. 
He is the leading scorer for the Clippers. Blake is number two. (laughs) All-time leading scorer. Like, I I saw that on on SportsCenter this morning. It was just like, uh, who? (laughs) You know? And so it kind of just – the Clipper history is just so weird in that sense. You know, and and Anthony had said it. Like, there's – nobody has ever really had longevity in that organization. You know, and you – you kind of we were all kind of hoping Blake would be that guy. You know, of course, if he finished out that contract, he'd he would pass Randy Smith at some point. Sure, sure. And, and you know, and he would have records <laughs> and all of that stuff. Sentence. Yeah, Randy Smith could be a completely made up name, by the way. Just... <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't even know. <laughs> Allegedly Randy Smith's the all time leading scorer for the Clippers. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna go. You could have to told me Randy Smith, Smith saying I love LA. Like I, I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what oh, he's really known for. If the, if the Clipper guy wrote the uh, the theme song for the Lakers, I love L.A. After every time they win, they play that song. Um, but you know, it's just the longevity of of the players there. Like you know, first we we all hoped it was Elton Brand was going to be the guy. So, I mean, Anthony said it. Blake had the most impact. CP was probably the best actual player. Yeah, but I think you know Blake is is had the most impact because just to quote Anthony, I mean, there's no CP if Blake isn't there, you know, and, and and that regard. So it's, it's, so it's the blueprint for how you build teams now, right? Draft young, as, as Seth was saying, you got to draft the first two guys before you can sign the third. It's true. It's true. Seth, I'm assuming that you're going to go all in for either Corey Maggette or Chris Kamen. Uh, I was going to say Catino Mobley, but both acceptable answers. Yes, there you go. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, seems, it seems pretty clear, guys. Like, it, this is an impactful – somewhere there's, like, a 13-year-old who's, like, really devastated. And I'm going to give you guys an analogy right now, a trade that it was similar to this, because I lived through it. When the Sixers got rid of Sir Charles, it was a very similar move. They wanted to get rid of the guy who was sort of, like, the cornerstone of the franchise, start new. They took in some – awkward contracts and Perry and Lang and Hornacek and, and guys who weren't going to move the needle and, and get them to the next phase, but would kind of just be a part of the team. And it took them a long time to get past that. The trade was in 1993. I don't think the Sixers were really relevant again um, until four or five years later when Iverson was drafted and then another three, four years after that till they were decent. That trade was great for the Phoenix Suns, right? This is not going to have the same type of effect for for the Pistons. But the idea of turning the page, Charles was the franchise guy in Philadelphia. He was one of the greatest Sixers of all time, and he did link errors. Uh, he was a connection or connecting piece still to Dr. J on that team. Um, look, Blake is a connecting piece to Chris Paul. He's a connecting piece to the the previous Stern. Baron. To yeah. Baron, yeah. I mean, to to uh, did he play with Lamar Odin? I don't know. He probably did. No, he didn't play with him. No, he did. He did play with Lamar Odom, but not in the the context of what you're saying. Yes, right, right. He, at the at the end of the. That's right. That's the right. end of Lamar Odom. Yeah, sad, sad Lamar Odom. But he played with JJ oh. and guys. You know, so the the eras uh, he was a bridge to, and so you know there, there is a big part of that. And I feel bad for like the kid wearing his Blake jersey right now, whose dad's got to be like, so next time you see him, it's gonna be in blue and red and. He's going to be playing for the Pistons, you know, and it's but like change, there's been yeah. some lottery reform. <laughs> yeah. Son. Yeah. So <laughs> this is why you, when you buy your kids jerseys, when you buy your kids jersey, just put your last name. on the back. <laughs> no, because you just, might get stop. traded, too. Yeah. It can happen yeah. to any of us. Mo that would be up, really awkward. Finds out that, that he's be, been 
sitting in his, his like kitchen here in in, uh, in Southern California. He wakes up to find he's been traded to yeah. To Detroit. Sorry, you're a Bucks fan. I'm now. retiring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do well and old. Okay, guys. <laughs> No, the no ultimate the ultimate irony would me would be me being traded for cap space so that the Lakers have a better chance of signing LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that would go. You just get like a little a guy who shows up at your door and knocks like similar to the, like an old school uh, memo comes and sorry Anthony pack your bags and the car is waiting. Um, all right, let's see guys other questions here um, that I wanted to uh, get to. Um, Ken, all right, Courtney Kennedy asked. I like this one. Um, what's good? Two questions that are a little bit more pertaining to the East and, and, to, and to the Pistons here. Uh, number one, uh, Will Van Gundy, Seth, for you, play, play Blake more at center more than Doc did? I mean, in essence, would he be the second unit or could he play, could he stem uh, um, DeAndre, I'm sorry, DeAndre, um, Andre Drummond? Andre Drummond. Yeah. yeah, I think especially when uh, John Lewis is not healthy yet, is he? He mm-hmm. hasn't been back. When Lou is healthy, I think, I mean, it doesn't really matter who you call the center there. Sure, sure. But they can play together in the, you know, 12 minutes a game, 15 minutes a game that Drummond's sure. out. Um, but I think even with Drummond on the floor, it doesn't matter that much who you call the center. Obviously, Drummond is not shooting threes or anything, but True. he's, this whole season has been creating from the high post. Yeah. Um, mostly for Avery Bradley, rest in peace. But uh, <laughs> he's alive. Oh, is he? All right, good. Yeah, um, yeah. Not according to PER. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> Anyway, I, I think that I I worry less, I guess, yeah. about Blake being free to run around and do what he does best with Drummond on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even than I do with DeAndre, although I, I imagine a Clippers fan can make that parallel sure, better. Sure. Um, but yeah, I would imagine he plays center yeah. some, maybe Ish. not more than he did with the Clippers, though. Mo? Yeah, I, 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 I kind of think that's really the way we're playing small ball now, it's almost his position. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not something you saw that often with the Clippers, but I th- like I have the same question. Seth is like, I don't know how much space he's going to have in Detroit, Yeah. you know, with, with Drummond and everybody makes the parallels of, of DJ and stuff. I said, that took a while to figure out mm-hmm. that wasn't, that wasn't a seamless transition of just like, Oh, okay, I'll do this. And, and that, you know, and Drummond's going to command the ball more than than DJ did on offense and things like that. So it's going to be really an interesting opportunity to see what Van Gundy comes up with uh, with with those guys on the court. But of course, I think it does help that you, know, you take Drummond off and you play play Blake at the center. Um, Lure's got to get healthy and and things like that. But you got to spread him. With, you got to add a lot of shooters around him. Yeah, and that that's something that they don't think the Pistons have a lot of. Although Luke Kennard is going to have an accelerated. Uh, yeah. Jump into a, a, a much more important role now. He, he is the court starter. Yeah, he's he's yep. the primary shooter. Yeah, on the on the team. And then the other part here is like Blake's going to need to be shooting more threes and still maintain his like thirty four percent three point uh, percentage, which is more or less a new thing. This is the not Pistons like, could go totally the opposite way. Say yeah, the opposite way and say Blake, you're a small forward now. Sure. It could happen. It could. Uh, that would put Blake in a lot more of an uh, athletic role again that I'm not sure his body wants. But you're right. I mean, Van Gundy's a, a wild card in a lot yeah. of ways here. Um, let's see, Anthony. Is, it, is that is that first round pick that they got in this uh, in this trade protected at all? It's top yeah, four. Top right? four. Yeah, yeah. I honestly, I could see it being like actually working this year, where they get like a top five pick. Because if if Griffin gets hurt, then they're screwed. Or if they or if they just don't figure out in time, and this is a huge piece that you have to figure out while also losing two starters. 
Sure. Like I, I don't. I think that the Clippers could have really. I, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a Billy King trade, but I think it's. <laughs> it has that potential. Oh, Billy! Billy King came up like last week in the office. I don't even know what context. I think. I think we should <laughs> make it a rule that he comes up every week. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's just ways <laughs> for us to justify the bad moves our teams have made because they all roads lead to the singular guy. Um, Billy King. One of the Celtics building the Billy King statue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Soon, by the way, it's actually it's a statue of Danny Ainge shaking hands with uh, <laughs> Billy King, and, and uh, we know how that went. Although I shouldn't even say that because Ainge fleeced the Sixers too, uh, apparently uh, or potentially. Um, but we'll get there. Hey, Anthony, <laughs> is uh, uh-huh. is Blake the second best player in the Eastern Conference now? No. Okay. No, I he I, I think it's tough because I think maybe when he's healthy and he's going 100 percent and and the situation is optimized for him, yeah. maybe yes you could make that case for him, but that isn't going to be the case right now. Sure. The only thing of those things that are, that is going to be the case is the health, and it's it's unfortunate, but we just don't know how long how long that's going to hold up with Blake. I I would still go. I would probably go LeBron and then Kyrie in terms of, of, of best player in the East. But, but it, the, the problem with Detroit is, <laughs> is that if this doesn't work out with, with Blake Griffin and, and Andre Drummond, they're stuck <laughs> forever with those two guys. Like it's just, it's kind of a scare. I'd be, I'd be kind of scared if I was a, a Pistons fan after this trade. Interesting. You'd be scared if you were a Pistons fan. I see. I think Pistons fans are pretty excited right now. I think they looked at this I, and go, go ahead. Well, I think I think that there's the initial thought of, hey, yeah, wow, we got a new name, and and he's this big shiny. He was an MVP. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought I, I had him. I had him coming into the season as like a dark horse MVP yeah. candidate because if things were going to work out with the Clippers, it was going to be on his back. Sure. But but I, man, his his health is terrifying. That contract, along with that health, is terrifying. Uh, I don't know if if we've seen or if it's possible to have success where more than half of your cap is is devoted to your power forward and center who might not be able to play together in in the modern NBA. Yeah, that kind of stuff really makes me nervous. And and I think there, I, I Pistons fans are fine. I, I'm never going to tell a fan how to be a fan. So if you're initially saying to yourself, "Hey, this is." The most talented front court that we've had since the the Rashid Wallace Ben Wallace yeah. combo, then then cool, like you can you can have that. But I would also be a little wary of Stanley Johnson now has to get big minutes. Ish Smith has to learn to run these double pick and rolls with Drummond and 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 Blake Griffin. I'd be a little nervous about it. Yeah, no, that, that's totally fair. And like, like I'm that was a question by the way again from Courtney Kennedy about uh about where Blake sits in the hierarchy of the East. I, I think there are lots of players. I'd rather have... You know, we talked about I think about Porzingis the... is better. I think Embiid's better. I think Kyrie's better. Mm-hmm. I think Hor- I mean, I think Horford's better. I think there's, like, a long list of players who are... Giannis. Like, Giannis is way better. Yeah, and Giannis is... Giannis had 31-18 and 18 last night against the Sixers and didn't play well. <laughs> Straight up, played pretty mediocre until the last, like, five minutes of the game when James Young was on him. And part of that's because Ben Simmons... He's still devastated. He's still devastated over the uh, the kid firing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was... Yeah, it was definitely what was holding him back in his career, and, and he was too dedicated for to, to, to Jason. Um, yeah, what are they, they, have not, they, have, they haven't lost yet since they fired him, right? Or they've 
don't know. No. Anyhow, no. <laughs> of course, there's always the, the new coach bounce, um, which is actually a soccer thing. But anyhow, I digress. We have another comment here. Bino Zilber said, good friend Bino, uh, in general, not just friend of the pod, but a friend of mine in real life, said, uh, uh, how can Austin Rivers look anyone in the eye anymore? It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> a good question. I don't know. It feels like if you make eye contact for too long, you will be traded. Um, <laughs> Which is or you'll want to fight him in the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of those two things. That poor kid, man. <laughs> I, I do. I mean, it's his team now. <laughs> like, the fact of the matter oh. is, like, pretty soon everyone will be gone and Austin Rivers will finally be able to play all five positions at the same time. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> he takes a beating. I'm not a big Austin fan, but he yeah. takes a beating. No, man. for sure. For yeah. sure. Um, cool. I mean, look, I, guys, I don't have a whole lot else I wanted to touch on. I wanted to just kind of get that big feel for the uh, – for the way this is breaking down in Los Angeles, it's definitely a, a changing of the guards in a, in a sense, uh, even though it's forward if we're going to use a pun, but it's changing. The, the, the L.A. basketball scene is changing. Um, I do think that there's an interesting gap right now, which is that it's not like the Lakers have stepped entirely into this right now. There's just two pretty mediocre to poor teams. Um, so I'm definitely excited to see how this moves forward. Like I, in, a, in the best cases, best scenario, all this works out for the Clippers and they rebound well, and in three years they're like a pretty good team again which is different New York I mean, pieces. Just the one thing I want to leave you with is, yeah. is I don't think the Clippers will ever step out of the Lakers shadow until yeah. they, they leave Staples Center. And maybe that means yeah. they leave L.A. But they and, and until they leave Staples Center, whether it's Bomber building something somewhere else in Los Angeles, and I don't know where he would do that, or you know moves them completely out of the city, yeah. you're never going to get away from the Lakers, like you have to understand, my brother-in-law grew up in the Middle East, yep, and he knew all about the Lakers sure. back then in the '80s. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 Man United. It's 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 yep. a brand that travels globally. It's a great point. You know, whenever we get people, you know, family members or whatever come into town, they want to buy Lakers gear. It yep. doesn't matter that they suck. You know, or uh, that Magic Johnson is apparently doing the job the same way Phil Jackson did. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's just it's 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 the brand. It's yeah. you associate purple and gold with L.A. You associate it with Jack Nicholson. You associate it with Diane Cannon and and yep. and Denzel and all the stars and all of that. It's it's there's no competing for the Clippers. They just never will. It's it's a, it's a sad. It's like USC basketball will never compete with UCLA basketball. Right. Doesn't matter how many titles they win. It's it's it just it's never going to be the thing. They got to get away from that shadow. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And and I guess the flip side of that is that the same way that that is the global perception and, and national perception of the Lakers and their brand and, and the excellence that they've had historically. The flip side is that is the exact opposite of how people have always viewed the Clippers. They've been the punchline. They've they've right. been the no titles. They've been the organizational dysfunction. The racism from the top of the uh you know from from Donald Sterling's era. Um, among other things, they've been the model of dysfunction, not paying, you know, their African-American GM what his uh, what the competitive rate oh, yeah. was for other GMs. I mean, really terrible mm. shit that you really can't get past until the turn uh, the tides had turned with this fun team, with the fact that they were selling good right. basketball to turn people away. So, look, I hope that they can pick this up. It's better to have two good teams in L.A. It's better to have two good teams in New York. And we've already. Not had that since the we've Nets moved back one. here. Yeah. You know, we've barely had one. Um, so it'd be good if this would, uh, you know, change a little bit. Mo, did you have a, a point you wanted to, to say? I just saw this on Twitter, and this yeah. has nothing to do with our conversation, but I just want to ask. Go on. This, this is kind of crazy. Uh, Vincent Goodwill on Twitter, uh, Chicago reporter, is re- 
Yeah. Hearing that uh, Miritich to New Orleans for Asik and a first round draft pick. Yeah. Yeah. Seth actually pinged that to me. Um, we're not going to break news because it's not us and no, no, because no. it might not happen. But uh, yeah, I mean, that feels like that feels like the Pelicans saying we're not done yet. And we think that if they, get off be... the Ossic, if they get off the Ossic yeah. deal, are yeah. you serious? Well, the, sending a first Giving to get off the Ossic was always what yeah, yeah. they were always going to have to sacrifice a first to get rid of him. But yeah, that would be great. I also think Miritich is he got, you know, he got punched in the face and grew a chip on his shoulder. So, you know, that's, that's an you, important thing. He's been playing really well this you, year. You can get it. You can get rid of anything if you give up a first. You could, Omar she can move into my apartment if you give me a first round pick for it. I'm trying to get rid of my car. If anybody wants that, can I attach a first round pick? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> if you also find me somewhere to park it in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think, like, to, to Mo's point earlier about about getting out of Staples Center, I if I were Ballmer, I'd really consider a complete rebrand of the Clippers. Hmm. Everything is new. New name, new city, new arena at the very least. <clears throat> You're going into a new era anyway. Sure. And everything that is associated with the Clippers right now is, like you talked about, Ben, it's all it's all mm-hmm. kind of it, even if there's positive, there's the there's the yes, it was super exciting the, that they, they had Lob City and everything. And then they were the first team to blow a three one lead before it was cool. Right. And yep. and and, <laughs> you know, if I if I were the if I were the Clippers, I'd really Balmer, he could move them back up to Seattle. And if he doesn't want to bring back the Supersonics, he could take basketball back there. And there'd be excitement involved there. I've always liked the idea of them moving either down to Orange County or to or to um, San Diego, mm-hmm. uh, where they where they originally came from. It, it, it's just when it's like we talked about earlier. People associate the Lakers with greatness, even if they stink. Like it's funny to me. People, the response to the to the report from Levitard about Magic Johnson not doing his job, kind of half-assing his job was, well, yeah, he's an all-time great. He doesn't have to do the job the way others do. And yeah. I'm thinking, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> You're saying what now? And and the But Magic does have that cachet to fall back on. The Clippers have the opposite of that, where I would almost argue that they're, that they're weighed down by their, their organizational history. So why not rebrand? Just be completely new and, and really reinvigorate the organization. That's where I'd go. Yeah. And that's the mistake they made when they they redid the logo. Like when they went to go redo mm-hmm. the logo, that's when they should have just said, we're going to change the name. We're going to change the colors. We're going to just go all completely. Like that was the perfect time to do it. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And here we are sharing a city, sharing a brand. Now I'm trying to imagine <laughs> what they would be. I think I would just go full knockoff of the Lakers and be called like the L.A. Lakens. <laughs> the Oceans. Yeah. Purple and gold. We used to have this conversation in the office <laughs> of what you would name the team, and, and 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 I think my my name was I always wanted to name them the Flash, the Flash, why? Yeah, What's the Los the... Angeles Flash. I kind of like that. It's the glitz and glamour. Yeah. It's it's like the it's not bad. It's not bad. Little Hollywoody and, and stuff like that. I just sure. thought like that was that would have been my that would have been the name. They could we, be the stars. With, they could be. The we've come up stars. with the Quakes. I got you. You know. Quakes, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and all that stuff. I like yeah, that life. was 
I feel like the LA, LA nightlife is <laughs> it gets my vote. Yeah, somewhere out there, there's like a guy who has uh, he's already trademarked all of the old roller derby team names, and he's like crossing his oh. fingers. He's like, oh god, let Bomber fuck this up. <laughs> please pick so the quick. That you please up pick the quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's like the uh, the the family that owns with the St. Louis Spirit uh, basketball yeah. team when they were sold from the ABA to the NBA, and they were like, no, just give us like point oh oh one percent of television rights moving forward. And it turned out to be billions yep. of dollars. Yeah, um, that's that out before. yeah, that's the one. But uh, uh, we've digressed far enough away here. Um, send us uh, listeners, please send us your uh, your names for the Clippers, and we'll we'll get those fast tracked over to the Clippers organization. And I'm sure they'll do nothing with them. <laughs> um, but this is great, Anthony Irwin, Mo Docchio, Always great to have both you on, uh, Seth. Thanks for joining me in the studio, taking you away from uh, important video work that you're creating here, buddy. I was just gonna eat lunch. That was fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta get lunch too. Uh, with that in mind, though, but uh, guys, again, thank you so much for uh, for coming on, both of you. Great to talk to you about the, the state of LA basketball at this uh, interesting time. And uh, until next time, everybody, this is the Limited Upside Podcast. Bye.